I've entitled this message, Think Generationally. Think Generationally. Father, we want to come before you now as your people who sit under your authority of, of your word. And Father, I pray that as, as I speak this morning, God, that you'll be speaking through me, that you'll give me ears to hear what you're saying and a mouth to speak your truth, and you'll give all of us ears to hear and hearts that are open to receive from you, God, what you want to say. Challenge us, move us, change us, transform us to be the people that you want us to be in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Hey, uh, last Sunday was the, was the 85th anniversary of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And I didn't know it at the time. I preached this message at Liverpool last week. And someone said, Nathan, did you know it was the 85th anniversary today? I went, no. Well, I better share it this week. You know, it was 1815 that this guy named Francis Greenway proposed a bridge from the north side to the south side of the harbour. But nothing happened until about 100 years later where a gentleman named Dr. J. Bradfield, back in about 19, just after World War I, he designed the bridge. An English company won the rights to build it, and, it was con- and the construction started in 1924. 1,400 men took about eight years to build at a cost of $4.2 million dollars. Six million rivets, 53,000 tonnes of steel. It now carries eight lanes of traffic, two train lines. They, they believe there's about 160,000 vehicles go across every day. 160 trains, 1,650 bicycles go across every day. But back in 1932, back in 1932, when the bridge was opened, it looked like this. There was about 10,000 vehicles went across every day. I love this picture. This is a toll booth. You can see the Sydney Harbour Bridge in the background. How cool is that picture? Toll booth in suits collecting a toll. Like, that's all. And they got, they got little um, like notepad things. I wonder what they wrote. Maybe the, I don't know what they're writing down. So this was a bridge back in 1932, and, and, and they would have known about how, much, how many people crossed, crossed the bridge, would cross the bridge each day. So my thought was this. Why did they build it so big back then? When they didn't need a bridge that big, why did they they build it so wide to hold so much capacity? And the answer, I think, is that they were thinking for the future. They weren't just thinking of the today and living in the now. They were thinking about the generations to come. They were thinking about the expansion of Sydney. They thought about the, the our technology and the more cars and the more people. And the, They were thinking generationally. They were thinking about tomorrow. They were thinking about the future. Now compare this with the M5 tunnel. Oh, my goodness me. Oh, who does the M5 tunnel? Oh, my goodness me. Now, back in 1992, the M5 tunnel was built. And from day one, that tunnel was clogged. Why didn't they do like four lanes to begin with, like each way? What were they thinking, Will? It's crazy. <laughs> Maybe the people who designed. So apparently, I was speaking to an engineer who worked on it, and he, and he said, it's all about money. And they had this amount of money, and that's what they spent it on. But I go, well, mate, but how about the cost of people sitting in traffic and the loss of productivity? Amen. I want to say that the people who built the M5 were thinking about right then and then. 
They weren't thinking generationally, and so now we're trying to expand and build more lanes. And The M5 people were thinking of today. The bridge people were thinking of tomorrow. And friends, as Christians, are you a Christian who thinks simply about today? Or are you a Christian who thinks about tomorrow, who thinks about the future, who thinks generationally? Because if you think about today, your decisions will be different if you think about, compared to making decisions about tomorrow. Let's talk about decision-making for a moment. If, if you're making decisions based on today, you will make decisions based on what feels good right now. Whatever feels good right now today, that's what I'll do. But if you're thinking about tomorrow, if you're thinking about the future, if you're thinking about the generations, will you, will you then get a plan? You get a vision. You set a strategy. You set goals. That's how you live in the future. The second one around finances. Well, today I have this much money in my account. And if it's all about today, I'm just going to spend it on whatever I want to spend it on. But if I'm thinking about tomorrow, if I'm thinking about the future, the generations, I'm thinking, well, I need a budget. I need a plan. I need to invest. I'm thinking property. I'm thinking shares. I'm thinking bank. I'm thinking interest. I'm thinking being generous with my finances to projects that needs that is a great place to put our finances. If we're thinking about food for today, well, you open the fridge and you go to Woolworths and you, I fill up Cadbury dairy milk chocolate and chocolate ice cream and all my fantails and all my favourite things. But we know that's not good for us, is it? But if we're thinking about tomorrow, we, we are thinking about the food of today and we eat raw vegetables. Jordan and Beck love raw vegetables and it's apparently very good for you. If you're thinking about the future, if you're thinking about tomorrow, if you're thinking about generations, you eat raw vegetables and you eat healthy so that your body is able to last the length of time. Exercise, same thing. I can't be bothered exercising today too hard. But if you're thinking about tomorrow, if you're thinking about the future, if you want to be there for your children and their children, well, we exercise that we're healthy and we get out of bed and we go to the gym or we do the run because we're thinking about tomorrow. Priorities. Wow. If you're living in today, you will do whatever is urgent. If you're living for tomorrow, the future, you will do what's important. Because what urgent is not necessarily important. Living in today is living in urgency. Living in tomorrow is about prioritising and working out what's most important in our worlds. Time management. If I'm living in today, well, I can do, I've got about 16 hours of being away. I'm going to fill it up with every single minute. It's got something I want to do and I'm going to fully get everything done and I'm going to achieve today. But if you're thinking about tomorrow, the future, the generations, where you plan days off. You work, you think about how many nights you are out during the week. You think about holidays, you think of the Sabbath. Give someone a nudge, yeah. And finally, around your knowledge, what you know. If you're thinking about today, well, it's easy just to learn and keep knowledge to yourself. But if you're thinking about tomorrow, the future, the generations, well then, you want to think about how you can impart what you know into the generations that follow you. Friends, you know, God is interested in tomorrow. God's interested in today, no doubt about it. He says, you don't need to worry about tomorrow, just concentrate on today. I've, I've, I've got the hairs on your head sorted. I'm going to cover your food. God, God's definitely about today. But he's also a God that thinks about tomorrow. He's a God who thinks about the future. He's a God who thinks generationally. Let me give you some examples. In Genesis chapter 9, we, are, we are read this passage that happens after the flood. In Genesis 6, Noah's called to build the boat. He builds the boat. The waters come. The flood rises. The water goes down. The boat lands. And this is what he says. 
I established my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations. This, this, this covenant, I'll keep going, I've set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So when, when our God gave that rainbow, when God promised not to flood, that wasn't just to Noah. That was a sign for the generations to come. God is a thing. God is a God who thinks about tomorrow. God is a God who thinks about the future. God is a God who thinks generationally. When our God calls Abraham out in Genesis chapter 12, this is what he says. He says, I will make you into a great nation. Not just Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to, you're going to have great kids. No, I'm going to make you a great nation with your children and their children and their children. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. Verse 3, I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, we know that's talking about Jesus. They didn't know it back then, but we know that's talking about Jesus who's going to come like 2,000 years later to rescue humanity. So when God speaks to Abraham, he wasn't just speaking to Abraham. He was looking 2,000 years down the track, looking at Jesus. God is a generational thinking God. This is around the Passover, the people coming out of Egypt. And God said, put the blood over the door frames that will protect you from the, from the angel of death and that the angel of death will pass over your house, that blood will protect you and that angel of death will pass over. He says this, this is the day you are to commemorate, not just for you, but for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. And on that Easter Thursday, Martin's going to take us through what that Passover feast looked like. In Psalm 33, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. When, when Christ died for sin, he died for everyone who lived before him, and he died for those who lived at that time, and he died for everyone after him. How were the people in the Old Testament saved? They were saved by putting their faith in God and their sin was dealt with by the future death of Jesus. How are we saved? By putting our faith in God and Jesus forgiving our sin back then 2,000 years ago. God thought generationally, backwards. He thought, forward, he thought, he thought forwards when our Jesus died on the cross. Our, our, our key scripture for this year, my prayer is not for them alone. This is Jesus praying. Not just for the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So when Jesus prays, he's not just praying for the disciples, but he's praying for those who will believe in Jesus, that's me and you friends, through the message they proclaim. Friends, Jesus is a generational God and he wants us to live generationally. I remember when I started soccer refereeing, I started when I was 15 years of age. I started refereeing, for those that know anything about soccer, when you had the black socks up to here and the little white tops on top. Now they just have black socks or yellow socks or pink socks or whatever. Back when the yellow socks, white, white was on top, back in 1993. I, I, I did a couple of trial games running lines. But my first game as a soccer referee, it was an under-8s game at Amore Park in Reesby. And I remember the game, I don't remember the game, I remember 
the man on the hill. And, and a man who was a soccer referee in his 50s, a guy named John someone, can't remember his last name, a guy named John, a guy in his 50s who had been refereeing for 30 years, came to watch my first game as a soccer referee. And he came down at halftime and said, Nathan, that was great. Get a bit closer to the play. Blow your whistle a bit louder. You're doing great. Keep going. And then at the, and then at the end of the game, he comes up to me and says, Nathan, why did you play 50 seconds overtime? So as a, as a soccer referee, you obviously keep time. And when you're refereeing kids, there's no stoppage time. There's no extra time like that. And, and as I blew the whistle to start the second half, I forgot to start my watch. So I had to guess when 20 minutes was up, and I got it wrong by about 50 seconds. And, that, and he said, Nathan, what happened? I said, I forgot to do the watch. He goes, that's okay. You, you are, you've uh, learned that lesson. You won't make that mistake again. And pretty much didn't. I think I did a few times after that. But generally, <laughs> I pretty much got that one right. The reason I tell that story is because that John guy in his 50s, chain smoker, that's all I remember, chain smoker, came up to me and he invested in me. He was thinking generationally because he wanted to impart what he had into my life so that I would be an excellent referee and, that the, and then I would then, as I grow, impart that into the next generation. And friends, as we look at this scripture, this scripture talks about how Jesus prays for us, but there's also a concept that the disciples wouldn't just hold the message that they've got to themselves, but they would pass it on. This message wasn't just for them. It was to be passed on. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, around the war, this is God speaking to Moses, and then Moses speaking to the people. He says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. This is the law that God gave the people. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when, when you get up. Friends, if, if, if we just hold the information that we got and we don't pass it on, well, that information dies out, dies out with us. If we don't pass on the message of Jesus, the truth of his word to the next generation, well, the generation's in all sorts of trouble. Now, God can make the rocks cry out. We know that. But his desire is for us to pass on the good news of Jesus, the message of life, the message of hope, the reason to get out of bed every morning, the life that sets us free, that, that heals our brokenness that Martin spoke about this morning. God wants us to pass it on. When, when Jesus spoke to his disciples in Matthew 28, he said, Jesus came to them, he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Friends, God is a generational God who thinks generationally and he wants me and you to think generationally, to think about our children, to think about their children, to invest, to pass on, to give. And friends, that's the opposite of Hezekiah. Remember the story of Hezekiah? I shared this last year. I shared it on Business Sunday and I want to share it briefly again today around Hezekiah. You know, the, the, the story's in 2 Kings chapter 20 where Hezekiah is on his deathbed. On his, on his deathbed. <laughs> He's on his what? Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm glad you're with me. You're with me. I do that intentionally just to see if you're awake. Not really, not really. 
He's on his deathbed. Isaiah the prophet comes to him and says, Hezekiah, time's up. Get your house in order. You're going to die. Hezekiah cries out to God and says, God, that's not okay. I don't want to die. And and God speaks to Isaiah. Isaiah comes back and says, God's heard your prayer. He's going to give you 14 more years to your life. And Hezekiah is like, woohoo, this is awesome. This is exciting. And and so so good. He tells everyone what's happened. And the king of Babylon hears about it. And so the king king of Babylon sends his son up with a tribute, with a gift to say, we've heard about your extension of life. Here's a gift we want to celebrate. And Hezekiah says, wow, that's great. Let me show you all my treasure. Let me show you all that I've done. So he takes the, 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 the king of Babylon's son through his, through his uh, castle, palace, takes him through the treasury, shows him all the gold. And, and in 2 Chronicles, we're told that Hezekiah was full of pride. Look at me. Look at what I've done. And so Isaiah comes back and says, because of the pride, your descendants, Hezekiah, are going to be slaves. Let me go back. Are going to be slaves to the king of Babylon. And all these treasures and all this wealth is going to be taken away and given to Babylon. Because of his pride, the, the generations to come were going to be slaves and all the treasures were going to be taken. And look how Hezekiah responds in verse 19. He says this to Isaiah, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good. And what I've said in the past is, how is that good? How is it good for, the, for his generations to be taken as slaves to Babylon? How is it good that the money be taken to Babylon? And look at for he thought, for he thought, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? In other words, that punishment's not going to affect me, so I don't care. Wow. Hezekiah was not thinking generationally. He wasn't thinking about the future. He wasn't thinking about tomorrow. He was simply thinking of today and what felt good for him. Let's not be like Hezekiah. Let's be people who think generationally. Invest generationally with our time, with our emotions, and with our finance. And today is our generation's offering day. And if you haven't yet given online, I encourage you to do that. You can always put the money in the, if you're not ready this week, you want to put cash in the plate, you can do it next week. Put generations on it in an envelope. That would help. And this is an opportunity for us, church, to create resources and facilities for the generations to come. Friends, when we think generationally about our children, we have a vision. And and our vision for our children and their children is to see them live in the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has for their life. When we talk about freedom, we're talking about freedom from fear, freedom from sin, freedom from oppression, freedom from stuff that Martin spoke about in his childhood, freedom from that. And to fulfill your purpose is to find out God's calling for your life and, 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 and be obedient to that calling. That's what we want to see for our children, see them free and fulfill the purpose that's in Christ for them. And friends, if we're going to have a strategy, threefold strategy, number one, we're going to prioritise children. We're going to prioritise youth ministry. Friends, we do that. We, um, we put staffing. We, we pay CAF a couple of days a week. We pay CON a couple of days a week to oversee teams of leaders who are deliberately investing into our children. 
We have programs in our church that are specifically children-focused, and we're talking about what we can do at Liverpool and how we can do that better, and how we can do that better at Padstow. How do we deliberately invest in these ministries? We run a rise and empower youth-focused ministries on a Sunday morning where we get to teach them the Word of God, and not only just say, here's the truth, but now let's apply the truth so you can get free. Let's apply the truth so you can fulfill your purpose in your lives. We have little treads, we have a blaze, we have heaps of stuff we do as a church because we want to prioritise. The second thing is around equipping. We want to teach these kids and we want to equip them to be leaders in God's kingdom. We want to equip them to share their faith. We want to equip them to live a life that is Christ-honouring. And that's through a team of leaders that do that. Three, we want to release them. We want to give opportunities for our children to serve. And, 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 and as we as a church continue to get older in our ages, we've got to continue to look younger. And we've got to continue to invest and give opportunity to our children. We have children, Matt, young Matt Thompson, 13 years of age, on the computer today. Great job, Matt. What well up, Matt? Give him a clap. Just one, just one clap. Come on, Matt. We have kids on Annabelle Riley, 14. 13. Oh, yeah, they're one day apart. I should know that. Um, I am their uncle. Um, Annabelle on the, on the keyboard today, giving the next generation opportunity. We have youth who are serving in children's ministry to teach them, to equip them, to release them, being deliberate about equipping and releasing. And finally, we want to invest financially, and that's what this generation offering is all about. We're trying to raise $60,000 for resources, for facilities, and 20000 of that is about the dream to go west on the other side of the Georges River, to purchase land, acres of land now, whereas as, it, as more and more houses get built in that area, we can plant a church, we can build an awesome facility that's on thousands of square metres and make a huge impact for the generations to come. That dream is about the next. We may not see it. Well, hopefully I will. <laughs> it's about the next. To finish up this morning, I uh, wanted to share um, two stories with you. What? I hope you see it too, Larissa. I hope you do too. I want to share two stories with you. The first one is around a church called Liverpool West Church of Christ, now called Lifegate Church, which is our church. Um, Back in 1962, 1962, who was alive in 1962? A few of you. There was a pastor called Pastor Lane who cast a vision at Austral Church of Christ to plant two churches. 1962, this pastor has a vision to plant two churches, one at Campbelltown, which is now called Campbelltown Church of Christ, and one at Liverpool, which is now Lifegate, but was called Liverpool West Church of Christ. There were a number of families travelling from that area, so as a result, they wanted to plant a church there. In 1963, they had their first worship service after they built a hall. And friends, there's a little hall that the church built first. Then they had evangelistic campaigns in October 1965, where they saw 25 people get saved and six people recommit their life to Jesus. They had all these people, that little hall was full, so they had a dream to build a worship centre. So back in 1968, they built 
that A-frame, which stood for 25 years. In the end of the 1980s, the council wanted to buy more of Hoxton Park Road to put a service lane in. So they spoke to the church and said, we need the land that your A-frame building is on. So can we buy some of that off you? And the church said, we haven't really got a choice. We have to. So they got some money from the government. They raised some money. And in 1990, this guy here, Pastor Peter Raymond, dug the plot of land for their new facility, which we're currently in today. There's a picture of uh, Jenny Lucy, for those that know Jenny Lucy, right there. Lovely pictures. Here's a picture of them building the frame for that current building that they're on. There are the walls that were put in. They're, they're the timber frames. The guys built the kitchen and the toilets and the youth rooms upstairs. Eventually, they built that building. And there's a, a picture of the church at the time, back in 1992. Jenny Lucy, Lynn, Phil, Tim Lucy, this guy here covering his face up. If you know those names of the people who are part of that church and have been for a long time. Friends, back in 1962, a pastor had a dream. A pastor had a vision to plant towards Sydney. And friends, it's still there today. People invested finances to buy that land. People invested finances and time to build buildings. And some 50 years later, we're about to do the same thing. One more story. In, oops, in the early 1950s, Pastor Corlett, his name was, was the pastor of Belmore Church of Christ. Pastor Colette could see Sydney moving west from Belmore. And he had a vision as the houses go in, why don't we plant a church? And let's go out west to a place called Padstow. And in 1953, he sent a couple of families, um, the Wilkinson family and the Fraser family, and they built that front hall, which is our foyer little treasures room office, back in 1953. Now, I tried to get pictures of the building going up, couldn't find any. So let me show you what Padstow was like at the time. That's a picture of the news agency in Padstow. That's LJ Hooker here. That's the news agency where the lane goes up. There's a brand new car park next to it in Padstow. There's the pub, everybody, Padstow Park Hotel. I could find that online. Why could I find that one and not the church? Um, look at the cars back in 1952. This was a shark that was caught in the Georges River in 1939 at Lambert Street, down the Lambert Street Park. Anyone go down there? Don't go swimming. Bull, bull shark. And, and this is a picture of Panania, which would have looked, this is what Padstow Panania would have looked like at the time. It's Panania. Sparse houses, lots of space. And it was back then in 1952, 1953, that people had a vision. People thought about tomorrow. People thought about the next generation. And as a result, they purchased, they invested, and they built this land. In 1970, this room was built. Mr. Rex, Mr. Rex Harris in the back row. Mr. Rex, you always sit here. What are you doing? You've changed seats. Don't do that to me. You confuse me when you do that. Mr. Rex Harris tells the story that he dug down the clay foundations for this building. Mr. Rex Harris. The clay foundations for this building. 
and for the underground and this. Friends, the people before us invested their time. Mr. Rex talks about this was mainly just volunteer labour that built this. You can't do that today because of all the building codes, thankfully. But this hasn't fallen apart yet, so that's good. The people before us invested. And friends, we have an opportunity on this Generations Offering Day to invest. If you haven't yet given, I encourage you to pray and seek God about what he wants you to give. Be obedient. And friends, we got a vision. Like these guys had 50, 60 years ago, we stand here today with a fresh vision to go west, to create a new facility at Padstow, whether we move, whether we build. We've got to do something here. We have vision. We're moving forward. Thank you for being on the journey with us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.